Welcome back to another segment of Broadcasting Politics with Cisco Costa and our guest, or and our co-host, Luther Mays, who should be coming on in, in a couple of minutes. We will have Dr. Harmon. Dr. Harmon is an author, and he was the executive VP and CFO at Yankee Candle Company, Cushman and Wakefield, and Foot Locker. He has established a global banking capital market structure and has made a large contribution, significantly by Dr. Harmon. He'll mention a bit more later on when he comes on, but it's an exciting show because it's basically the, the title of the show today is Political and Religion author Dr. Bruce Harmon. So we're going to combine the political aspect and the religion aspect and also the business aspect in regards to what we have today, the current environment, especially in D.C. and getting to D.C. And what's happening in D.C.? We just had the testimony of an accomplished Doc, uh, Mr. Michael Cohen, who used to be the, uh, Donald Trump's lawyer, he has lied previously when he testified, and he lied again. So we basically have a circus, a circus in D.C. This uh, it was yesterday. So. And now we're getting a little bit more information on what actually happened behind the scenes. Mr. Corn is indicating that he met with the Democrats. And the Democrats gave him the talking point. Which, if you listen to what he said, it was basically what we've been hearing for the past two years from the left-wing mainstream media and what we've been hearing from the progressive politicians that we have and what nothing was accomplished it was a waste of time but again they're trying to construct something out of nothing all right because I would be the first person if I felt that Donald Trump was guilty of something of course anyone should be uh, should be if they if they're guilty and there's proof, then we should go and, and, and proceed ahead with the next step. But it's been two years. First, we started with the collusion with the Russians. And now we're basically trying to find out about the hush money that he paid some porn stars. Come on. This is a show. And again, this, and I've said it on this show, and I've said it not the show, outside of this show, that if, they, if the Democrats continue on this path, they will lose in the landslide in 2020. And if they continue on the path of socialism, they will also lose in 2020. Because people, I would say that a great majority of the people are sick and tired of, of this whole thing with this collusion garbage that's not, not going anywhere. All right, I, I cover this. I want to cover my other two points really quickly before I bring in Dr. Harmon. Uh, 
the situation with Kim Jong-il in North Korea and, and, and Donald Trump? I agree with the president. If, if the North Korean leader does not want to deal with us in a reasonable and fair way, then you know what? We don't need them. Hey, they can keep starving their people to death, okay? And they want to continue to be a poor country? Let them. But we have to make sure that these, this rugged government does not, does not attempt to use any of the nuclear arsenal that they have at all. That's all I'm going to say about that. Here is my co-host, Luther. Welcome back. How are you doing? Everybody? Yeah. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? All pretty good. All right. That's good. So we have our guest coming up in, in a minute. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to dial, um, call him right now. Okay. Okay. I think Is that... that um, good evening, Dr. Harmon. How are you? This is Sister All right. With my co-host, Luther May, we'll welcome you to Broadcast and Politics, our weekly show that we offer excellent guests like you to come on the show. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you for inviting me, Sister. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. So I briefly gave a little brief description of your vast amount of experience that you've had in the business, in the global banking and capital market structure. Um, and if you want to expand on that. Well, um, yeah, so I've, for 30 years I worked, um, I worked my way up from being, you know, young accountants like we all did when we were young kids starting out our career. And, and I really had no idea where that journey would take me other than I just knew to work hard and, uh, pay attention, do the right thing, and then right. I was fortunate enough to get a lot of uh, promotions along the way. And of my thirty years that I worked in business, eighteen of them were spent as a CFO. Right, at, at very well-established companies like Foot Locker, Yankee Candle, Cushman and Wakefield, big real estate uh, firm. How, how different? How different was each each? company that you work for in their in their personality and in structure and and uh culture well it's um so they they were all similar in one sense before i talk about the differences they're all similar in one sense they were great brands and i right. believe you know partic- particularly for young people work at a company that's got a great brand and has a, a reputation for having integrity that's the the single most important thing you can do in your career. And I was lucky enough to realize that early in my career. You know, Foot Locker was different because it was really, it's really a product for young people from 16 to 22. Unfortunately, when we age, we don't really buy a lot of uh, athletic footwear. Right. But the typical, the typical youth, um, eight, an 18-year-old male, can buy up to six pairs of sneakers a year, which is astounding. So it was a young, energetic company. Uh, We definitely catered to young folks uh, much more than to middle-aged people. 
it, we were constantly growing, and I think 75% of all the premium athletic shoes in America were sold at Foot Locker. Um, so it was young, it was energetic, it always had to change. We had to change at 25% of our product every single year. So that was that was what was unique about Foot Locker. And what was unique about Yankee Candle was extraordinary professionalism that they put into making their product. Um, right. You can get a Febreze fragrance, and it will smell okay for a while. Uh, but if you get a Yankee Candle, the fragrance is bought overseas in Switzerland by the scientists that make it. And they have they have people that just, their whole job, uh, Cisco, is just sitting around smelling the smells to make sure that it would be appealing <laughs> to households. I mean, who wow. would want to have that job? Coming up with names like cotton candy or clean cotton. Um, but the way they produced it, they, the typical candle will burn 79 hours. And wow. it will have the exact same qualities in the first hour as it has in the 79th hour. So Yankee Candles, I would say, was not that Foot Locker wasn't dedicated to professionalism and a great product, but Yankee Candle took it over the top. Cushman was like working at the wild, wild west. Because <laughs> uh, you're dealing with real estate agents who always want to make a deal and right. never want to follow the rules. And, you know, as the CFOs here, my biggest job was to keep them from going to jail. It's should <laughs> no, don't do that. You can't do this. And uh, Nice people, but they just really like to make a deal. So right. you need differences. But the one thing that was great about them, they all believed in a culture of honesty, a culture of professionalism, and they were very supportive of their product. And even at Cushman, where the guys could get a little crazy, they knew the name Cushman Wakefield stood for something, and they did whatever they could to protect it. Oh yeah, it's, 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 uh, all three of them are very, very, I mean, very important name brands in the global market. Um, so I, I, I brought up these three companies for a reason, because there's been a, a constant attack, constant attack by a certain party on the business community, on the business, on making money. And profits. When you were the CFO, VP, did you, was there a different environment of, of government officials, government politicians, the way they're attacking the business sector today? Did you feel, I would say, go ahead, sorry, sister. Did you feel that that was something that, you know, because I, I, I'm saying to myself, if I'm a VP or a CEO of a company and I'm constantly hearing that we need to tax companies at this level, you know, and this constant attack, it must be in, 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 the, in the meetings, in the, in the corporate meetings, do you guys actually discuss things like why are we getting attacked? We're, we're, we're de delivering a product that people want to buy and we're making money. Well, a lot of it is, so I'll, I'll give you like three pieces of insight that a lot mm -hmm. of the, the general public's not aware of. Um, you know, what you hear in the media isn't always right. Um, you know, I served on a couple of boards besides, um, you know, my job as a CFO. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to name the newspapers, but I would say if 
if there were 20 articles written about me or my company in a year, 19 of them were factually incorrect. And okay. many times articles were written by, by really well-known newspapers without even contacting the company. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of it is, you know, journalism used to be a science and a profession that you could be proud of. And you, you're a journalist, a great journalist, produces the facts. Right. Doesn't tell people what to think, but encourages people to think. And, you know, you think about Walter Cronkite or mm-hmm. Chad Hutley, David Brinkley. You know, that form of journalism, you know, we didn't see. And that includes the Wall Street Journal, which you would think should be factual. Uh, that's right. the only newspaper I'll name. And so that was, that was number one. So you kind of learn to ignore that um, as just stuff you had to deal with. The, the second thing is that, for the most part, the corporate community is an honest place to work, particularly the companies that, that I worked for. And if I gave you a statistic, you can, you can take this one to the bank. 95% of the people that I worked for were just like you and me, Cisco, honest. Right. They didn't want yeah. to cheat. They didn't want to steal. It's just like the soccer fields, the baseball fields, the churches, the schools that you go right. to. Most people are good. Yeah, there are idiots, and those are the people that end up making the news. Like, you know, we're watching Michael Cohen today. We need to fraud yeah. banks, right? Exactly. And, you know, and I'm, I also believe in redemption, so I want to say that as well. But So those people do exist, but you kind of know who they are, and you kind of knew them. And so, for instance, Bernie Madoff, by the way, 14 right. times corporations went to the SEC and told the SEC Bernie Bernie told told the SEC what Bernie Madoff was doing. Not one time did they act. So some of these frauds you hear and things that you hear are out of control, not because of the mass business people, but because there are there are creeps out there that will do stuff like that. Right, um, right. But in the business, business world, you learn who they are and you avoid them. There, there's there's bad apples in every in every field in every part of the world every part of the life. So that's you know they they basically focus on 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 the bad but never on the good. And again, right. um, the productive. Uh, if you believe in capitalism, you believe that companies have the right if they produce a good product to make profit. I don't right. understand that whole aspect that, you know, they have to be the villain. They're evil. You know, it's like, no. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know? it's what makes TV shows uh, sell, though, too, right? If you have a good villain, you know, you've got a great TV true. show. That is true, Dr. Harmon. Now, um, oh, let me, um, I'm sorry. Luther, do you have a question for Dr. Harmon? Okay. Uh, he must have stepped out. Getting back with, with to, that uh, said, though, Cisco, with that said, the one thing I do want to say, there's some mm-hmm. things, you know, before we throw the press under the table, there's some things and issues that they get on that right. they should be on. And this Me Too movement, this is long right. overdue. And it's gone on for too long. And what frustrates those of us in the business world, we've all sat through the classes. We've all been told this is how you behave. And it's particularly for those who work hard, it's a little frustrating to see it occur. Uh, and I would say, for the most part, most men 
are happy these guys are going, uh, are losing their jobs and uh, in some cases going to jail. Right. So that, I mean, that is I, the one positive we can't ignore. I, 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 I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, you have to, when a woman or a man, I mean, say it's, it's no, it's no. I mean, I, I, I don't see why an individual, just because they have the power, um, they feel that they can basically be above the law. So if they do that, they should be punished and be heavily punished for that. So I'm with you. Uh, and I, I do agree with, in regards to the Me Too movement. But I think that um, there's a lot of other aspects of, of, uh, of the media attacking. And we're going to discuss the media and, and also the part of the attacks on Christians in regards by the left, far left media. Um, but I wanted I wanted to go on to the next aspect, which is today. Do you believe that the chief threat to religion today is the media officials basically hollowing out the religious institutions? Something that Ben Shapiro brought up. Do I think it's uh, well? I believe um, the chief threat to religion today. Is the media, government officials, or the hollowing out of of our religious institutions? I think it's all three, and I'm I'm trying to decide, Cisco, which one of them. <laughs> uh, you know, first, you know, first, I always hear that um, I hear about socialism and its value. Right. Right. So, and that to me, so simply what socialism is, is a belief that the government will take care of its citizens 100%. That's the essential right. essence, and that everything is shared equally. And in, in religion, the belief is that God will help you in your life. And that's the fundamental difference is do you trust God or do you trust the government? So, Socialism, there's not, never been a, a, a setup or, or a government where it's worked effectively. You just think about the Iron Curtain, where mm-hmm. they had to surround the whole, I mean, they had to keep the, the citizens in because they were afraid of them leaving. Um, in 1921, for instance, when uh, Russia became a, a socialist company, a lot of people don't know this. In 1921, most of Russia was starving. The country right. that saved them was the United States by sending them grain and setting up um, caravans so that they could replant their fields. So a lot of that stuff doesn't get talked about when it comes to socialism because essentially most government is about power. So whether it's a capitalist government or a socialist government, it's usually the people that manipulate it are people that are greedy for power. And that's what you saw in Russia and you still see it today. So I'm always suspicious when I hear about people extolling the values of socialism. I'd rather see a socialist government that actually works. Well, fundamentally, good. We have we have a, a a really good example, which is currently happening right now in Venezuela, one of the richest countries in oil, had a very very stable economy, um, 
And then suddenly uh, Hugo Chavez came in and promised the world, you know, his people that uh, they were going to, you know, be paradise. It's going to be paradise. Everyone's going to be equal and, and, and basically get everything. That didn't work. The next person came in, and now people cannot even find food to, to eat. They're, they're starving. They're dying. So that's the, that's the end result of socialism right there. Yeah, you're you're right. In the in the '60s, well, late '50s, early '60s, you can go back to Cuba. The exact same example. What socialism appeals to young folks, and right. it, in that's before they started their lives. And it's it's a great thought that everybody should have equally everything. And you know that's a common thought, and that's an appealing thought to that age group. And what guys like Chavez and Castro and Lenin and Stalin played upon is they played upon that, that sense that we're all going to be equal. In reality, it's always a dictatorship. Right. And you see this thing, you see these things like in Venezuela or Cuba or Russia where the citizenry don't want to be there and they're not getting fed. Correct. Correct. And And the end result is that uh, only, only the, the the leaders, the way all the way on the top, ones actually keeping all all the goods. And the richest person right now in in Venezuela is the daughter of who Chavez. <laughs> you know? yeah. So now um, you are the author of Jesus Incorporation and founder of Gideon Partners. How did you come about creating and writing this book, and if you can expand on the book? Yes. Yeah, so for 30 years, uh, I was I had wonderful jobs, uh, great career, and was really really lucky in my life, Cisco. Mm-hmm. And just seemed like every door that had to open for me did open. And so after about 30 years of working, I came to the conclusion that I personally had enough money that, you know, my daughters and my grandkids, they would all be taken care of. And right. it was really about time that I gave back. And it was a haunting feeling, too. Um, it was something that wouldn't leave me, that I had to do something different with my life. So then I went to uh, get my master's degree in divinity. And then later on, got a doctorate degree uh, right after it. So seven years I studied the religion and ministry. And my goal was always to combine business and ministry. And here's why. Most people believe that Christ and business don't work together or shouldn't be together. Mm-hmm. And I believe the opposite. I believe that you should bring Jesus to work with you. And I do believe that you can't compartmentalize your life. If you're going to be a faithful Christian, then you have to do it in all parts of your life. Now, with that said, you can't go into the office and declare to everybody, believe or be doomed, because you're going to lose your job if you say that, right? Right, right. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so what I've done with this book and what I do with my ministry is it's, it's really one line. It's be the gospel. So I always tell people, you don't, you don't say the gospel, you act the gospel. And that's how you combine your business life with the values of Jesus is that you do the right thing all the time. Um, You do have faith in God and you do trust in God. 
But on the same hand, don't spend a whole bunch of time preaching in the workplace. Spend a whole bunch of time doing the right thing because that's far more impactful. And that's what people will pay attention to. And that's really the book, Jesus and Company, is it's a number of stories about wonderful people that I worked with um, and that I knew of that that had Christian values. And it shows the reader how you can do things like sell or network or borrow. Um, And at the same point in time, what we did in the book is we weaved in the sayings of Jesus and the values of Jesus by using scripture and some commentary about what Jesus meant. And so it connects Jesus from the first century to the worker of the 21st century with real how-tos, not theories, real how-to practical applications of the gospel in the workplace. Well, we're going to have to uh, put the book on on our website, so um, we'll we'll definitely um, promote it. Um, Thank you. I, you're welcome. Um, I I have a hard time um, understanding these so-called Christian politicians who 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 actually voted for th- this abortion. Um, that was just passed by the House and some of the governors that have done that in different states like New York and Vermont, Rhode Island, that supposedly are Catholic Christian politicians and they're just basically walking away from what being a Christian is all about. Do you find that that's shocking? Just like I find it shocking, I I don't think when I was growing up I would I saw any of that in any type of that type of behavior from Christian leaders. Yeah, there's certainly politics and religion has been blended together, and politicians use um, religious point of view, religious beliefs to get votes and to increase you know their standing. And you see that a lot more today, but you see it on both sides. Besides the abortion issue, um, I don't know if you read this recently, but Nancy Pelosi was always quoting this verse about creation. And, you know, when people started looking at it, saying, you know, the son in the Bible um, speaker. And she said, well, I know it's there someplace. I, I just can't give you the right verse. <laughs> and, and so... When, when Then eventually she got pressed even further. She says, well, I think it's in Isaiah. And, you know, this, so people are using the Bible. It's a dangerous thing to do, what they're doing. Is they're using the Bible to appeal to their voters or their constituency. But it's, right. um, it's really a pandering effort more than it is a sincere effort. Right. But when it comes down to actual voting and passing laws, to me, that's unheard. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I was totally shocked that, you know, the governor of New York, my, 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 uh, my home state, basically right. went ahead and did that. Um, hold on. Um, 843-251, do you have a question for Dr. Harmon? Oh, I'm just listening. Thank you. Oh, okay. Dr. Harmon, they love to listen to you. <laughs> so, Thank you, Cisco. Uh, so, I mean, 
in your opinion, what is the what is behind the attacks on Christians by the far left media? Um, I think it's you know, <laughs> I think it's it's simply so it's 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 complicated, but it's simple. The religious religious evangelists are usually associated with the right or Republicans. Right. And a piece of what we're seeing, it's kind of like the Red Sox and the Yankees. <laughs> you know, right? It, it's a natural, it's a natural feud. And unfortunately, religions get get caught up in this because there was a day when, um, you know, your, your religious beliefs weren't under attack. So I don't think it's really necessarily religious attack as much as it is a political attack. And the the Republicans and the right are identified with Christianity and the left is identified with socialism. So it's a natural, you know, it's like cats and dogs. That's, and that's how I see it. Uh, I see it that simply. And that's why I bring up this issue of people being biblically illiterate when they're making some of these attacks. Because it's not really based off of what they know, but based off of these snippets that they hear. Right. So, um, but you should know, though, I mean, and this is, you know, for the listeners, Christianity's been under attack almost from the start. You know, whether it was uh, Stephen, the martyr, the very first martyr who was stoned um, in Jerusalem. You know, the original Christians um, of the Roman Empire, I don't know if you know this, but before Christianity was the state religion of the Roman Empire, 10% of its population was Christian. Hmm. What makes that more difficult to understand is that you risk being thrown to the lions by saying you were Christian, yet 10% did. So that's that's the second part of history. And then you had the third part of history, which is with, um, when the church started selling indulgences. So in other words, uh, if you were rich and you wanted and here, if you wanted salvation, you just gave the church a whole bunch of money. It was called an indulgence. Um, and that started to send the church down um, the path. Um, and even in with our own constitution, um, which has been under attack, you know, they, you can't pray in schools and right. uh, the separation of church and state. So this has been going on for 2,000 years. Uh, do I think it's greater today than it was at any other point? Certainly not as great as the persecution that occurred in the 3rd century, but it's certainly heightened from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Well, but the, 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 the attacks on Christian is not just happening here in the United States. It's happening all over. I mean, we have in, 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 in the Middle East, we have in Africa, there's a, a constant attacks from the Muslims attacking Christians you know, ISIS has perpetrated numerous, numerous uh, accounts uh, of, of killing of, of Christians all over the, the Middle East. So, I mean, I think that's beyond politics, isn't it? It, it is. That, in that, that case, uh, that's, that's a little bit different. It, Christians are always easy marks in the sense that, you know, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love our neighbor. And... 
Um, not that we've always been the gentlest of people, but we are very gentle people by nature, and we're an easy mark because we're not a we're not a group that is that is directed or managed um, by one individual, but we're directed and managed by God. And so, some other religion, some other faith, will will pick on Christians as a way to. That's what we're doing. And also it's a form of control. Christians also don't give in to um, doing anything other than trusting God and having faith in God, which makes makes us also more susceptible to um, a dictator, a despot, to take a Christian, cut their heads off, or, um, you know, the various and sundry things that have happened to us over the years. It's because we will not give in to believing in anything but God. And then, and, and then I think another aspect that has really totally uh, surprised me because growing up, I, I didn't, I didn't notice these attacks on Christians like I do today. Uh, but then we have a, a pope uh, in um, in the Vatican that is more geared towards socialism than he is towards the Christian values. That's how I see it. I mean, do you see Do you see something? Do you see him not being the normal type of Pope? You know, well, he's definitely not. Yeah. He's definitely not the normal type of Pope for a couple of reasons. One is he comes from um, a very poor and desperate area. So he's always going to index to taking care of the poor. And as Christians, you know, that is one of our values is that we take care of the defenseless and the oppressed. And the difference between that and socialism is in socialism, everybody gets taken care of. In in Christianity, the people that get taken care of are the ones that are are defenseless um, and have been put into a difficult position. So, for instance, if when you read the gospel, you'll notice that Jesus talks about the widows a lot. Mm. The widows of the first century were the most defenseless group of people in the sense that if you were a woman, first of all, you had no rights. Two, if you had no husband or son or somebody there that could, be, that could help you, you were going to be destitute. You're going to be begging. So when Jesus talks about the widows, and talk, he's really talking about the defenseless. That's, it's when you see the word widow in the Bible, you're seeing an analogy towards defenseless people. So the Pope takes that position because he believes a lot of people in South America are defenseless. I don't think he quite gets the socialism, but it gets close enough that I think people think that. But one of the things I will tell you, particularly um, one of the big um, misnomers uh, that exist today, Christianity is actually growing. Right now, there's 2.19 billion Christians in the world. By the year 2050, there's going to be 3 billion. Most of that growth, by the way, is occurring in the Southern Hemisphere, so Africa, South America, and parts of Asia. And it will be essentially stable in the North Atlantic countries. So maybe, is it possible that these attacks are due to the increased number of individuals moving towards Christianity? And moving away from other religions, like uh, I, 
you know, Islam? It, cert- it certainly is uh, a piece of it. I think the bigger piece of it is that a lot of people use Islam um, like Karl Marx used socialism. It's a way of controlling the people. And true right. Islam is not what we see and read in the newspapers. Um, and similar to you know, other forms of religion, people use the name of Islam to create violence. But by nature, uh, Islam is a, is a religion of peace. It's a Judeo-Christian religion, which a lot of people aren't aware of. Right. I mean, that's what we are. We do hear that Islam is a religion of peace. But when we hear the leaders of these Muslim countries speak in, in, in the fashion that they speak, you lead us, you know, a uh, prime example, Saudi Arabia. I mean, you have the Wahhabi relig- uh, Wahhabi sect, and they preach violence, and they're part of right. Saudi. I mean, they're part. They're, they're Saudi Arabia. I mean, uh, so I, I have a hard time, um, really believing that that's the case. Okay. Yeah. I, I know there. I, I know there's individuals. There's a lot of great good in the, uh, Muslim individuals, but I think their leaders and everything um, may have an issue. Uh, I have another caller. 812-652, do you have a call for um, a question for Dr. Harmon? Actually, I do, and I apologize. I might be a little off here because for some reason mine is streaming back a little bit. So okay. if you're on to another subject, I apologize. No, no, go, go ahead, but, go ahead. Um, uh, okay. Go ahead, um, uh, go uh, ahead with the question. This is what sent out the, the speech from Ben Shapiro, and I've also been listening um, to you, uh, Mr. Hartman, on what you've had to say so far. But I find it odd, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, his, you know, Ben Shapiro's speech and what you've said so far, Nobody has brought up the fact that a lot of the issues that are going on within the church, it seems like everybody's blaming somebody else, such as the media, such as, you know, government officials or or, um, other religions. But what about the stuff that's going on within the church itself? Isn't that a threat against the institution itself? Especially right now. We're seeing the Catholic Church blow up. We've seen, you know... You just you know, with these kids nowadays and socialism, they're going past these big mega buildings that are locked and offer nothing to people outside unless it falls within certain hours. So how does how do you feel that plays into it instead of going after the media or somebody else and placing blame there? Yeah, you're definitely right about uh, you're spot on on that that point, and, it, and you're right to point out that it's a myth in this conversation. Um, you know, certainly what's going on with Catholic priests um, has affected a lot of Catholics. Um, but it's not just the Catholic religion. It's, it's this issue that you just brought up. Most, per- most churches sit idle from Monday or Sunday night till Saturday night. And they're, they're wonderful institutions that could be helping our society, helping our kids and our community, but they're doing a lot. And, you know, that didn't exist. 30 or 40 years ago, there was always something going on in the church or a facility. So the call is right that part of the problem with religion 
the church leaders shouldn't just look at the media, shouldn't just look at government officials or bench bureaus. It's clean up your own house as well. And I think that's what the call is saying. It's a very good point. Actually, yes, it, it is. And how would you suggest, you know, since you have, you know, your doctorates and, and have studied this in depth, this religion, how would you suggest the church itself? And I say this as a believer, uh, 100%. Right. How, how do you suggest that the church clean up this so we don't give the media ammunition to use against us, so we can show the, the kids that are being taught in school socialism how we can show them that there's another way, a better way. Right now we have a very, very bad reputation. Well, yeah, so there's a number, number of things the church can do. Number one is if you have ministers or priests that are abusing children, don't hide it. You know, take care of your problem right then and there, and they, there are still issues that they know about. Um, if if you have a, if you have a church, open it up. Have small group studies for for both the young and the old during the week. Um, and the churches the studies show that the churches that invite people in to talk about their faith lives are the most productive churches. That's number two. Number three, I think we should fight back. Um, you know, for instance, there's this belief that there's a separation of church and state, but there isn't a separation of church and state. Look at a dollar bill. Look at the Supreme Court building. Think about every presidential inaugural address. They've always included the word God. The Liberty Bell has a Bible verse in, inscribed on it. What, what, what the First Amendment said was that we're protected to believe in God the way we want to believe. It doesn't say that the state has the right to separate itself from God. So I think that so I think the church should reach out more um, and push back against it. But I think also, as you've pointed out, we, we should we should be cleaning up our acts. We should be ha- inviting the poor into our church. We should use the church to house the homeless on w- one night a week, which some a lot of churches do do. Um, if there's a natural disaster. I think that the church should be the ones, the first ones to respond. That's what kids want to see, and that's what our youth want to see. They want to see action. They don't want to see words. And we should have small group studies, and we should make our churches available during the week. So, I mean, that's those are the things that, that, that we hear about um, do work. Hope that answers right. your question. Fantastic. Actually, can uh, I throw you a curveball? Yeah, go ahead. So if you take all that into account and you throw in how close we are to uh, what some refer to as the end times, where we know that the church will be persecuted, how does that change anything? Um, uh, You know, we've been talking about the end times almost since 40, 40 A.D. So I always approach life as not worrying about the end time, but just being the best person I can be every day, and I think that that applies to all of us. And if tomorrow is the end times, it's the end time. Um, but this has been going on the 19th century, the 20th century, all the way back. This, this, this discussion, and I don't think we should get distracted by that in our Christian faith. I still think we should do everything that I just said, and remember two things: we should love our God with all our heart and all our soul. And we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. 
at all times. Fantastic. I, I do have a, another question for you, Dr. Harmon. Is it possible to have a positive relig- religious values in a secular world? Yes. Um, some of it is some of it's what I was saying before about what what I tried to write about in the book is be the gospel. There are a lot of times in your life, and it, it happens to me here and there, um, not as much anymore because people know what I stand for, so I don't get subject to it as much, where you'll be the only voice in the room speaking up for Jesus. And you just have to continue doing that, but you have to be the gospel. You can't be disingenuous about it. Um, and it is uncomfortable at times, and we, you will be persecuted. But in the long run, people will respect you for who you are and your moral values and your Christian beliefs. So that would be the one thing I would encourage everybody is to not lose sight of what our responsibilities are and to continue. Most of the time, the pushback we get, I find, is is short-term, it's momentary, and later on people will come back and recognize you standing up for what was right. Fantastic. Um, Because, again, that's... uh, I mean, we, we have countries like Turkey, where basically uh, they, <laughs> they, they don't, they're very, very strict on or Saudi Arabia in regards to uh, actually Christian practicing those Christian values or, or practicing uh, or having churches. I mean, it, it's just, a, I think, hypocrisy that, that we here in the United States in the West, are able to open the doors to have, you know, the mosques, multiple mosques all over the country, but you can't open a, a church in, in some of these Middle Eastern countries. We, I mean, isn't that hypocrisy on their part? Yeah, and I think that's where I think our church leaders um, should be stronger. And I think our politicians should be stronger. Some of the stuff that has occurred in the Middle East, we tolerate in the name of diplomacy. But really what we're tolerating is something that's in the form of almost being like Hitler. Um, And I I don't think our country should be supportive of any government, no matter what the financial penalty is, that doesn't allow its citizenry to be free people. And right. believe what they need to believe. And if you are Christians, you should be Christians. A lot of people don't know this, but there's a church uh, in the Middle East it's called the Coptic Church. We know about the Roman Catholics, we know about the Eastern Orthodox, and we know about the Protestant religion throughout um, the world. But one of the original churches after Christ was called the Coptic Church. And it, it in, Iraq, in Iraq. In Iraq. Iraq is pretty big. Yeah, all, all through the Middle East. Besides Iraq, it's in it's in Iran. These people are being persecuted every day, and I think our government, if they don't see it as a religious issue, it's at least an issue of personal freedom. And we, as a country, should not ever support uh, uh, any government or provide any funds or any assistance to any government that won't allow their people to believe the same things that we believe, which is freedom. An inalienable right to live your life as right. you want to. 
Exactly. Exactly. I, I definitely, uh, I mean, I think the Coptic Church came up during Saddam, uh, Saddam Hussein when they were right. basically uh, going after him that a lot of the members had to go to uh, to not, not to Lebanon, to Syria. They had to, because they were, they were being persecuted by uh, right. Saddam Hussein. Um, can we touch on since you're the founder of the Gideon Partner, what is the Gideon Partner, and what's how's that part of this overall direction that you've taken after an exquisite um, global and capital uh, corporate um, success that you have accomplished so much? Uh, now you became the founder of the Gideon Partner. I'm not very familiar with that, uh, and I think my listeners would like to know a bit more about it. Yeah, so what I do is I do um, most of most of my work is done pro bono or free, and I work with individuals and businesses that are, that are in need, and they're, they're Christian-based, that they need help. So, for instance, this week I've been working with a young man who um, is looking for a job, and, you know, how does he find a job? What does he do? How does he apply for a job? But what, what about his resume? Right. Um, so I work with them, in a, but in a Christian way. You know, first of all, everything in your resume is going to be truthful. Um, there has to be prayer associated with what you're trying to do. And there are businesses I work with where, where a lot of times it's, it's about them just doing the right thing. Uh, there's this one business... They, they they were almost ready to go to a loan shark, and a bank called me and asked me if I could help them out. And simply, they weren't asking their employees to do their job. So it was just simply a question of telling, it was just a, simply a matter of the CEO standing up and saying to the salespeople, if you're not selling the product, then we're going to have to have somebody else do it. Um, so, so a lot of what I do is mostly giving back what I know works. Right. Uh, and so, for instance, when I work with people that are looking for a job, I always have them focus on three things. Make sure you're positive, trustworthy, and you listen to learn. If you can do those three things, any company in America will hire you. That's what, I, that's what, I, that's what I, I'm telling my son, <laughs> the same thing. Uh, he said, those are key Ingredients for success, if you have that, yeah. and you just you just named them. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people ask me. A lot of people ask me, uh, you know, how did I become successful? And I didn't do anything special. I just always made sure that I was positive at, at the workplace. I didn't gossip. I didn't talk about the CEO. I just did my job. Number one, um, two, trustworthy. Um, so I could tell you how many times in my career where I was asked to do something I knew I shouldn't and said no and took short-term pain, you know, by saying the no, and how it came back later on was somebody said, we're promoting you because we can trust you. And that's right. what people will do. They, will, they won't promote the person they can manipulate. They'll pr- promote the person that they can trust. And, you know, listening to learn it's the most important thing we can do as human beings is listen to what other people have to tell us. 
I think there, there, there's a lack of that in our country today, in society, not just our, in society today, the lack of listening and understanding and following directions. Right. Right. Well, I'll give you some good, good news, uh, some, good in, uh, some hopeful insight. Our colleges are focusing on, there's a term now called critical thinking. Yeah, and it, I, isn't, I, doesn't matter uh-huh. what, it doesn't matter what you believe. You can't get an A unless you can explain yourself and mm-hmm. explain it in a way that doesn't tell people what the answer is, but tells them how you got to your answer. And so I'm really encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing in the education and educational institutions today. Well, I, I, that was one of my best classes. I, I, I took critical thinking, and, and it actually helped me, has helped me quite a bit in my career. Um, so I think that that should be mandatory. Um, so this Gideon Partner, is this basically locally or it's throughout the whole country? Is, is it a state, city, or across the country? I get I get phone calls um, like the person that I was telling you about that I'm, I was helping this week. I'm helping somebody in Texas. That that was that person. Help somebody right. in North Carolina. Um, it's typically done by phone, and usually it only takes me two or three hours to work with somebody either to help them find a job or help solve a business problem. So um, I can be contacted on my website. Um, my wife says, well, how, how do these people find out about you? And I always tell them, I'm not sure, but I get a lot of phone calls. <laughs> so you're, where is it based on? Uh, are you based right in, in New York? or No, I'm, I'm, I'm based in Asheville. But you're based I, in uh, North Carolina. Yes, sir. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful community. It's in the hills of the, it's yep. in the, hills of North, uh, Appalachian Mountains, uh, but I am from New York, and I have a daughter that lives in New York, so any chance I get to go to New York, we definitely take advantage of. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, New, York, I'm a New York City kid, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wrong with New Yorkers. Uh, oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm from the Upper West Side. Okay. Right, right. Right, right, up, uh, right off the Central Park West. Yeah, my only complaint with people from New York um, is you guys don't know how to drive. <laughs> well, I, I just remember taking my driving test in the, in, the, in, in Midtown in Midtown Manhattan, oh. and oh, that was an experience. God, <laughs> and I and I, I, and I, I would always say that <laughs> if I can drive here, I can drive anywhere in the world. Absolutely. And I have. Yeah, I have. Um, do you want to give out your website and um, the name of your book and anything basically that um, so we can basically promote it? I know I know I'm getting some um, text from from some of my listeners in regards to um, if they want to go to your website in, in regards to your Gideon partner. Um, I've got some um, messages about how they can get in contact with you if they're looking for work, you know, and, and, uh, recommendations, preparations, you know, resume building. Those right. are some of the, um, questions. So please go ahead. Yes. 
So the website, it's www.brucelhartman.com. So it's pretty simple. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure you put the L in. Um, <laughs> and there's, pl- there's, there's a couple of things you can do on the website. We, we do uh, two devotionals. One, we do a year with God, which is basically takes you through the church year. Uh, one of the reasons why oh, I was okay. really glad that the woman, the, the woman caller brought up a really good point about what are we as mm-hmm. ministers doing to... Um, so one of the things I do is there's a devotional every single week, but it follows the church calendar. So right now we're in um, the... Uh, we're getting ready for Easter. So we'll be soon getting into the Lent and Easter period and then right. the period of Pentecost. And so these devotionals explain... What what the Bible verses that are associated with these events mean, and it's but it's done as all things we do, it's done with the practical application of the person's life. We also do three times a week. We do a blog about inspirational people that we know, and we connect it back to the verses that Jesus told us told us in the Bible. Um, and you can leave a message, obviously, which we answer, um, and you can buy the book on the website, or you can buy the book on Amazon or in any major bookstore. Fantastic. Um, to conclude, a topic, we're going to get a little political here in regards to the 2020. We have a divided country, and in this divided country, we have individuals that are basically moving towards the left, socialism, or choosing Trump again for 2020. How do you see this this whole division and what religion and what religion can do to bring the country together? Yes. Yeah, so the number one thing, um, you know, for all of us is to pray and to be thankful to God for what we have and. Um, at the same point in time, petition for the ending of these pre-recorded narratives that people are just talking to each other without really thinking about what they're saying. That's number one. Number one. Number two. I think our country needs to go back to loving our neighbor. Not. Okay. It's not about whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're liberal or conservative. It's it's more about the individual we're talking to at that moment. How can we Got be it. civil? How can we understand their point of view and treat them the way we would want to be treated? Don't call people racist. Don't call people racial uh, slurs. Uh, always remember that whatever comes out of your mouth should be how you would want it to be directed back to you. Right. And I think mm-hmm. if we could become civil in that manner, we would get our country back to where it was a few decades ago. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Harmon, um, it's been a pleasure, and um, we have more listeners that did not want to say anything, but uh, they were sending me messages. But I I appreciate you taking the time, and I look forward to um, hopefully in the future having you back if if, if you desire. I would love to, Cisco. I really appreciate the thoughtful way you guided the interview, and it's always great to talk to a professional in their craft, and that's certainly what you are. So thank you for having well, me, and I'd love to come back. I appreciate it. Well, 
Thank you again, and have a great uh, weekend, and God bless America. And God bless you and your ministry too, sir. All right. Next week we'll have... Next week, we'll have another fantastic guest on Broadcast with po- in Politics. See you, and God bless America. Have a good one.